0: Hello, and welcome to the Dutch Podcast Summer School Edition. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Smeaton, Chief Medical Officer at Dutch, and I'm thrilled you're here to learn more about hormone health and functional medicine. The Dutch Podcast is taking a break from its usual format to bring you some enriching conversations with our Dutch clinical educators. We'll be diving into case studies of actual Dutch reports and exploring how evaluating hormones and hormone metabolism can help you get to the root cause of your complex patient's problems to learn more about dutch testing and the extensive hormone education resources that are available for free to dutch providers visit our website at dutchtestcom backslash providers in today's episode we're going to be talking about one of the least utilized parts of the dutch test the organic acids section now buried on page six this section contains many analytes that can help you really make sense of your patient's Dutch test results. Providers are often,
1: you know, oh, well, that's all those look fine, but you know, it's it's really valuable to take some time and really dig in and look at the little intricacies that are are there on that last page on our page six.
0: Dr. O'Brien is going to explain so many different things about our each individual analyte, but also I found it so interesting that different patterns seen in organic acids can lead you to understand things going on like autoimmunity or insulin dysregulation within your patient. You're definitely going to want to have a listen. Today, we're joined by Dr. Christina O'Brien. As a clinical educator with Precision Analytical, Dr. O'Brien is part of our team of doctors, and she's highly regarded in the functional medicine testing world. Not only does she consult with physicians on their reports, but she also supports our marketing efforts with lots of writing and speaking for the company, and doing social media, various events, dinner talks, brunch talks. We have her pretty busy. Dr. O'Brien's expertise and her experience are really valued by our team, and she's frequently asked for, by name, on consults for really tough hormone cases. So we're so lucky to have Dr. O'Brien here with us today to talk a little bit more about oat the oat markers, the organic acid markers that are on, on many of our test animals and really help you understand how you can get more out of them. Really, Dr. O'Brien, I think oats are probably the most underutilized aspect of our report. What do you think? I, yeah,
1: I agree completely. It's it's on page 6, it's our last page and by the time we're done going through a consult, it feels like providers are often, you know, oh, well, that's all those look fine, but you know, it's it, it's really valuable to take some time and really dig in and look at the little intricacies that are are there on that last page on our page 6 um where we can really dig into the oats and it's it doesn't have to always be above range or below range.
0: Well, I'm really excited that you're here today. So first, welcome and welcome to summer school, I should say. <laughs> you're on <laughs> faculty you. at summer school. So fun. And um I'm really excited for all of our listeners today cuz like I said, I think this is a really underutilized aspect of our test and I know something that unless you really study the Dutch test, you probably haven't been exposed to all these markers before and maybe you know, haven't made sense of them the way that you have the estrogen metabolites. So can we start by sharing a little bit about what the organic acids are on the Dutch test? Sure,
1: absolutely. So um, we've divided the organic acids up into sections. We have markers of nutrient deficiency or not, B12 and B6. Um, We also look at glutathione levels. Um, We look at Indicin, that's one of our newer markers. Um, We look at Biotin, also one of our newer markers. And then we have a section of neuro-related markers um, xanthurinate, kynurinate, and quinolinate, as well as our levels of oxidative stress in 8-OHdG. Um, so we we break it up into a few different sections and are able to look at things at a really at a really deep level. I think it's a unique combination of organic
0: acids. Hmm. And can you talk a little bit about what an organic acid is? Just more generally too? Sure. So it's a
1: marker that normally, especially with vitamins, will elevate in the body when there is a deficiency of that nutrient. So um, for example, methylmalonate will elevate when there is a B12 deficiency and it's something that we can measure in the urine um, as well as other, um, other markers related to the gut and neurotransmitters.
0: So let's start by talking about the organic acids on the Dutch test that are directly related to nutrition status. So I'd love to know, like, why do we care about these nutrients when we think about hormones? And then what do these organic acid markers tell us?
1: Perfect. So um, the first marker on the test is methylmalonate, which is related to B12 status. And one of the biggest things that can deplete B12 are oral contraceptives um, related to hormone testing in particular, we want to look at um, B12 levels and make sure those are within range, just like B6 as well. We're looking at things like um, not just hormone levels on the Dutch test, but we're also looking for levels of potential oxidative stress and DNA damage, which is where things like pyroglutamate come in because uh, glutathione, as you know, is the most potent antioxidant in the body, and we relate that to the levels of oxidative stress, 8-OHDG, as well as uh, the 4 uh e one marker on our page three of our test to see if there's a level of oxidative stress um, overall. And the two B6 markers, B6, um, xanthurinate and chymurinate, are upstream metabolites of the quinolinate, that downstream metabolite, which is just before NAD plus. So at the very top is tryptophan, the bottom is Mm. NAD plus, and those are all related to um, nutrient status in general. But in particular, we can relate each of those back to hormone levels and how those are connected.
0: That's so interesting. I didn't know about the connection with NAD plus because there's so much coming out in literature right now around supporting NAD Mm plus. Yeah. They are through like kind of optimized supplementation. So it's exactly. really, there's probably a lot of additional, additional overlap there.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Great.
0: So, what are some of the symptoms that are associated with those with those nutrient deficiencies that you might see paired along with an elevation in the organic acid? So, when you, see let's talk about B6 first.
1: B6 first. So, B6 is a really interesting one. Um, B6 deficiency, a true B6 deficiency is not, um, super common, um, it, it is typically more related to um chronic stress, again, oral contraceptive use with B6 can cause um, deficiency. It can deplete that B vitamin as well, but the standard American diet can deplete um, B6. Um, Environmental toxins can deplete B6. Things like malabsorption, um, alcohol use can deplete B6 levels. Um, And typically when you have B6 um, truly low, it can lead to things like irritation, depression, um, confusion, and a lowered immune system in general. Those are some things we'll typically see with a true B6 efficiency.
0: That's great. Yeah, I know that actually B6 therapeutically has great research studies with PMS. So that covers a lot of the, you know, the depression, the irritability, things like that that come up for people. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes B6 will be like just a ticket. And there's a great data supporting the use of that um, to really support hormones mm-hmm. and kind exactly. of get things back into balance and reduce symptoms. What about B12?
1: B12 um, is a really interesting one. B12, mel- methylmalonate, when it is elevated um, and someone is symptomatic, typically fatigue, um, sometimes constipation, sometimes poor appetite. Um, neurological changes can happen when methylmalonate is super elevated, you know, above five, six, or seven, we sometimes see that correlated with an autoimmune process as well. Um, So it gives us even more information about, Mm. about what's happening with the patient. Um, And that's probably the most common deficiency we see with oral contraceptive use.
0: A vitamin B12. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So how would you go about repleting levels in someone that showed up with those markers high that like suggested a deficiency?
1: So methylmalinate um, is actually a measure of adenosyl or hydroxy B12 rather than um, people typically assume, um, because it has methyl in the word, that it's more related to methylated B12, but adenosyl or hydroxy B12 is what's typically used to supplement um, an elevated methylmalonate. When xanthiurinate and kynurenate are elevated, we now have... Um, The ability to look at quinolinate as well, and if all three markers are elevated, we're typically thinking of B6, and we usually want to look toward um, P5P, the active version of B6, to supplement those. But sometimes when one is high or one is low, or when quinolinate by itself is elevated, we're thinking things more like um, blood sugar dysregulation, poor sleep, lack of movement, um, lower antioxidant levels, maybe mitochondrial um, support needed. So depending on which ones of those are elevated together or alone, it it may change um, what we're talking about with providers.
0: That's great. You're adding a whole new layer of learning, even just for me, when it comes to how you can interpret these in combination and what it might be suggestive of. That's so interesting. So, And and P5P, you mean pyridoxyl 5-phosphate? Mm-hmm. That's the full name? Yes. Of the P5P, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Just for listeners who... Might not find what they're looking for when they're searching <laughs> D5P. Okay, cool. So, talk me through the next set of organic acids that we have. I know we have ones that are neuroinflammation markers. Let's talk a little bit about those. Sure.
1: So, um, HVA and VMA, um, those two markers are mostly related to um, neuro related issues. So, when we're looking at those and we have um, an elevation or a decrease in those markers. When we're talking about them in general, we always want to make sure that the patient is truly symptomatic for those things before we consider treating them. So we can see some irregularity in HVA or VMA. Sometimes both will be slightly low. Sometimes one, for example, HVA will be really elevated on a test. Um, And in our instructions, we um, write out really carefully what people are to avoid, um, before doing the test in order to make sure that HVA, the homovalinate, is not, um, falsely elevated. That is our dopamine marker. Um, VMA is our epinephrine, norepinephrine marker. So things like, um, avocados, bananas, fava beans, um, Quercetin use, um, tyrosine use, those things um, can increase Mm -hmm. HVA falsely. So we want to make sure that the patient is symptomatic. So we're really looking at an indirect measure of dopamine, epinephrine, and norepinephrine. And what's really fun about those on a test is when we can tie those into what's happening with the patient's cortisol level, for example, or other hormones on the test, um, especially VMA, sometimes what we'll see in patients is that the body will protectively, you know, change the metabolism of cortisol if there's a lot of anxiety present, for example. And sometimes even the VMA, um, the, the vanomandelate will lower in order to sort of protect the body from making too much adrenaline, right? Too much epinephrine, norepinephrine. So we tie that in with other things that the patient's experiencing, what the patient has told us on their requisition, what are their primary things that they're really concerned about, and then tie all of that together um, to give us more of a window of how the provider can best support their patient.
0: That's really cool. So really the organic acids almost help to fill in a little bit more of the puzzle that you've started to interpret when it comes to like what you're seeing with estrogen metabolites or androgens or the HPA axis. But what I'm hearing you say is that organic acids can kind of fill in the gaps or help point people to the true root cause of what's going on.
1: They definitely do. The beta-hydroxy isovalorate cool. is a great example of that. We added, that's one of our new newer markers. We added that last July. And we added that marker because often people will do a Dutch test because their patient is concerned about hair loss. So we're looking to um, uh, androgen levels primarily, usually, to see if that's where potentially hair loss could be coming from. We also look to a hypometabolic cortisol pattern um, on the, in the adrenal section to see if maybe that's related to hair loss. But then the addition of the biotin, the beta-hydroxyisovalerate, is just so great to have because it's one more layer. And if somebody's you know coming to us for help with hair loss, right, their provider has ordered the test because the patient is losing hair and is very upset about it. Normally, um, we're we're able to really dig in on, on multiple levels to to help the provider figure out what's happening with their patient and best support them with a protocol.
0: Yeah, that's great. You really can touch upon like with something like hair loss, so many different root causes to try to root out what's going on for your patient. I love that we added the marker for biotin. Me there. too. Let's talk a little bit about our other new marker. Yeah. Our other new marker, Indicin, is another one that I think is just such a great addition because it really tells us a little bit about gut function. And as we know, gut can be so intimately tied to hormones and particularly hormone metabolism. So can you share a little bit more about the Indican marker too? Of course. So... um
1: when i am explaining indikin to providers i often joke that you know we we've been begging for some type of marker to give us a window into stool health, stool health for a long time and mark our founder and president is very very detail oriented and if a marker is not reliable and reproducible and statistically significant he will not put it on the test. So it took a while for us mm-hmm. to find a marker that could give us a, a window into stool health. And he finally researched this one enough and studied it enough to, to say that last July, it this works, right? This is reliable and reproducible on our test. And it's a great marker because it gives us a little window into um, a potential hypochlorhydria or bacterial dysbiosis in the gut. It is not a a stool marker. So it it can't give us direct levels of beta-glucuronidase, for example, but at least it gives us a window into potential gut dysregulation. And why that's so important in hormones is that phase three estrogen metabolism happens in the gut. So having a window into that um, overall gut health is is a super great addition for us.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's like, you know, you kind of get a window in that phase three, even though it's not perfect, it gives you something. It might help you identify patients that you need to do a further workup on. Exactly. To try to really assess assess through a stool, a more comprehensive stool test. Mm-hmm. A lot of people pair our test with a stool test, but that might have something like beta-glucuronidase, which is an enzyme that causes that estrogen to recirculate. Exactly. Um, so anyway, it's a great one to partner, mm-hmm. number one and number two. Exactly. <laughs> together. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, Mark's dedication to science, mm-hmm. um, particularly around the oats, because he's really very, very strict when it comes to not putting out organic acids on our panel that might not have a clinical relevance. And that's something that really differentiates the OAT panel on the Dutch test from many other competitors in the marketplace. And I know that some practitioners might look and be like, well, the list is shorter here. This one has 50 OATs or 25 OATs. And and so that's a better value. But the truth is, and I'm really convinced of it, that if there's not enough data to really show that they're clinically relevant... You could be steered in the completely wrong direction. And so, you know, it is a really high bar you have to meet to land on the Dutch Oats Panel when it comes to the science backing.
1: Yep. A great example of that is the 5-HIAA, the serotonin marker that we used to have on the Dutch test. We took it off because it wasn't reliable and reproducible. It was too sensitive. And Mark said, nope, it's got to go because it's just not going to, it doesn't meet the standard.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's one thing you can definitely trust with Dutch is yeah. tough standards, rigorous standards. Absolutely. So, last question, Dr. O'Brien Do you have a favorite
1: organic acid on our test? My new favorite, well, since last July, is the quinolinate because it gives us a. Um, A really neat window into potential neuroinflammation, and that's that's not something that we really even got close to before. And having that marker, um, not only tells us about potential neuroinflammation, but like I said before, maybe even a blood sugar dysregulation, which we also tie into adrenals. Mm -hmm. Um, It helps us know is the patient really sleeping deeply? Right? If they're not getting good sleep, the quinolinate can elevate, and it's it's almost a kind of an end stage byproduct of the kind urinate metabolite so we could see is it b6 is it really oxidative stress is it a cortisol dysregulation coming from a blood sugar dysregulation and it really is just helps us to really just so intricately tie the whole test together i think that Mm -hmm. is that is my very favorite one
0: that's awesome my personal favorite is 8o hdg which i've used for a long time marker for oxidative stress Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that to be so helpful because when I'm working with patients, like primarily for fertility work, I'm looking at what are the main drivers for like egg and sperm not being really great quality. And A2HDG is a great marker to better understand the balance of like how much they're exposed to that free causes that free radical damage versus what their body has the capacity to quench. So that will go up when there's not enough, you know, capacity to kind of quench what's around in your environment. So that's another one that I love.
1: Yeah, that's a great one. And that's when we tie back into other markers as well, the glutathione, which is the most potent antioxidant in the body, um, and the four OH, And we can tie them all together and see essentially, you know, which one was here first and then what does the provider Mm -hmm. do about it? It's really exciting.
0: Excellent. Well, Dr. O'Brien, it's been really lovely to have you in school today. Thanks for <laughs> joining our session, listeners. And we're really grateful for you being here.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: We are so grateful you could join us for this interesting and informative dialogue. If you want to learn more about hormones and hormone testing with Dutch, there are many resources available to you when you become a Dutch provider. Register today at dutchtest.com backslash providers to gain access to free educational tools like the Mastering Functional Hormone Testing Course, a self-paced online course designed to help you become a hormone expert. Dutch providers also have exclusive access to the Dutch Interpretive Guide, which is full of insights that will help you apply Dutch testing in your practice. And our Dutch clinical educators host one-on-one and group consultation sessions where providers can learn how to interpret patient reports. Become a provider today to learn more about how to access these resources through the Dutch Provider Portal. And thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us again.